Uh, the, older, the older I get, the more I, I begin, I've realized how, uh, not just how, the, the numerous ways that we're shaped by the culture um, around us. And how we're shaped by the culture around us in ways we don't often recognize or, or even understand. And, and really, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? So if the culture around you is shaping you and forming you to become more and more like Jesus Christ, well, that's, that's a good thing. That, that happens. But if you're in a culture that's continually drawing you away from Christ, well, that's a bad thing. And uh, one of the things that I, I've just realized more and more lately is that one of the primary ways we're shaped by culture is the way we use words and the, the meaning that's infused into those words. And we kind of just know that there are, there are words that we can say and we kind of assume that everyone knows what we mean when we say those words. Um, and yet, if we start diving, digging, doing it, but, but these are the things I do for you. So I, uh, I wanted to try to get a better understanding of what our culture how they define the word love. And one of the ways I've done that over the years is to go to music, because our songs and our musicians are kind of the poets of the day, right? And so they write songs, and and then people kind of respond to those songs. And when a song kind of resonates with somebody, or when it resonates with a large group of people, then it becomes popular, right? And it kind of gives you the sense that Whatever's going on in this song is resonating with people, and this is how we're understanding it. So I, which is especially relevant coming out of Valentine's Day, I looked up, what are some of the top love songs? This is what I do for you. I read some of these. What are some of the top love songs now, and then top love songs of all time? And so I'm going to read some lyrics. I'm not telling you who the lyrics are from. I'm not reading all of the lyrics, because we don't want to go there. Um, I'm not even recommending some. Some of these songs you'll have no idea. Maybe the younger people will recognize some of them. Some of the songs you will know very clearly because they're kind of all-time greats. Greats. Um, but I want to read them. And what we're, what we're looking at is I saw two themes really clearly through all of these songs. And these are songs, some of them are from 50 years ago. Two themes on describing what is love. Uh, here's one newer song. Let me deep in your love wrap your heart around me. Okay? So what, what you're trying to think, what are they trying to kind of visualize, help you understand by that? What is, what is love in this? I'll explain it in a little bit. Here's the next one. I hate that I don't hate it, the feeling, the feeling inside. Right? And then this one, everyone will know. And it's almost, some of these songs, it's hard to read the lyrics without singing it, but I'm not singing for you this morning. I want to know what love is. Love that you feel inside. I want you to show me I'm feeling so much love. I want to feel what love is. And you know, you just can't hide. I know you can show me. What is love? A feeling, right? It's something that when you encounter somebody else, love is this feeling that you have deep down inside you. It kind of wells up within you. That's what love is. 
It's just clearly in almost every one of the the songs that you read. That's what love is. It's this feeling. This one's very, very clear. The the second theme I noticed is pretty close to that, but but it's different. Um, Here's one newer one. You don't need me like I need you. Pray that I won't be alone. Or these last two are very well known. When a man loves a woman, spends his very last dime and trying to hold on to what he needs, he'd give up all his comforts. Okay? Or this one. This one's even harder to say without singing. Whoa, my love. My darling. Or even just saying it with the cans. I've hungered for your touch. A long, lonely time, and time goes by so slowly. Time can do so much. Are you still mine? I need your love. I need your love. God, speed your love to me. All right? What's the, what is love? Love is encountering somebody else, and you figure out you need them. You can't live without them, right? That's what love is according to these songs. Now, the reality is there's a level of truth in some of this, right? Love is kind of a feeling, and love is this recognition that this is someone that you're going to be with for a long time. But one of the things that I recognize in every one of these songs, and I read way more than these, some of them you just can't even share some of the lyrics, um, every one of these songs, it's all selfish, isn't it? It's all like, I want to feel a certain way, and you're the person who's going to help me get to feeling that way. And so I'll give up everything, maybe, because I want to feel the way that you make me feel. That's why I need you. That's why I love you. And I found myself asking repeatedly, like, do you actually love them or do you just love yourself? And, and it really gets down to this idea, you know, we, we talk a lot about um, all of the different relationship issues and the relationship problems that we're seeing throughout our culture. And it points to the idea that all of those are stemming from the fact that we have tried to make love something that it is not, that it was not created to be. And uh, we've completely misunderstood what love actually is. And uh, this morning, we're going to learn a little bit. I'm not saying this is a comprehensive sermon on love, but we're going to learn a little bit what love is. And, you know, the passage starts off by, by showing us uh, it kind of starts off with all of this ominous stuff, right? So I always picture like if you were watching the Gospel of John in a movie form, when it gets to chapter 13 and this verse, the music would change. Everything would start to get more serious. It would get a little darker, be more ominous. Maybe it would sound more like a funeral march. Um, and it starts off where you think, like, well, this is just being informative, right? Now, before the Feast of the Passover. But, but John never writes anything just informative. John is always reminding us, and what he's saying is, don't forget the Passover's coming. Don't forget 
a lamb is going to be slain. Or don't forget what was said about Jesus way back in chapter 1. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? This is John's way of saying the Passover is coming and Jesus is the Lamb that is going to die. It goes on. It says, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come. Remember, two weeks ago we talked about Jesus saying, my hour has come. And what did he say about his hour? He began to teach his disciples, a grain of wheat must fall and die and be buried. So it'll bear much fruit, right? So Jesus' hour is the hour of his death. So John's like, if you didn't pick it up by me hinting at the Passover's coming, pick it up when, remember, Jesus' hour is coming. He's going to die. And in case you missed it, his hour is coming when he's going to depart out of this world to the Father. How's he going to do that? Well, he's going to die. He's going to raise, be raised from the dead. He's going to ascend into heaven, but it all has to come through his death. And so John, like, the, everything about the way this passage begins, John's writing it to say, Jesus is going to die. That's what's coming. And, and the reason he's doing that is because this verse is marking a total transition in the Gospel of John. It's why we're fo- we don't often focus on just one verse. Uh, but we're doing it this morning because this one verse is John's way of saying, now the whole story is changing. For the last 12 chapters, we've been talking about Jesus' life on earth. But now from here on out, from John 13 to the very end of the gospel, it's all going to be the story of Jesus' death. Everything from here on out is focused on Jesus' death. And recognize how important John makes this. Um, Because there's 21 chapters in the gospel of John, and seven of them are focused on these two, three, four days um, leading up to Jesus' death. A third of the gospel is focused on these moments leading up to Jesus' death. And it's John's reminding us that this is the work Jesus came to do. He came to die for the sins of his people. But we're also told, so there's this transition happening, saying, all right, now we're moving into the story about Jesus' death. But then John also adds this to it. He loved them to the end. The them he's talking about, what's clarified earlier in the verse, it's, it's his people, it's his own. And so we're being told that Jesus loved his people right up, all the way up till the end, and which is which is powerful because not only is John saying now the rest of this book is going to be about Jesus' death, but he's saying the rest of this book is also going to be about the way Jesus loved his people. Because Jesus loved his people through his death. I want to point out the word end. I don't know how many different translations we have here this morning. You already noticed when Howard read from the NIV at the beginning, it translated that differently. It didn't say to the end. It said to the to his full extent. Right? And it's one of those words that can mean a few different things. It can just mean the, the end, but it can also mean fully, completely. Um, and because 
this is John. Not, not every, usually people mean one thing when they use a word, but John is kind of the poet of the Bible. And I think John's using this word here because he wants us to understand both meanings in this. Jesus loved his people completely, fully, to the fullest extent. And he did it through his death. He loved his people more than anyone could ever love anybody else, and he did it through his death. And, and notice, in a couple of chapters, Jesus is going to say this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Right? Notice, greater. There's no greater love. No love more full. No love more complete than to lay down his life. For his friends. This is how Jesus loved his people fully, completely, was to lay down his life. But like I mentioned, John likes to play with words, and so I think he means both. So not only is Jesus loving his people completely and fully, but he's loving them right up to the end. Right? It's a love that doesn't quit. A love that doesn't fade. A love that doesn't come and go, but it goes right up to the end. And uh, one of the ways, the most common ways this is described of God throughout the Old Testament is that it's his steadfast love and faithfulness, right? A love that doesn't come and go, a love that doesn't fade, a love that doesn't quit. Uh, Hebrews describes this, takes a little different tact, Um, but describes it as Jesus not loving them to the end, but Jesus loving them in such a way that he finished the race. says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted in your struggle against sin. In your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Full true love means laying down your life. That also means that true love is going to require some level of suffering. It will never be easy. It will always require some level of suffering because in order to truly love, you have to be giving of yourself. Laying down your life over and over. And so it's never going to be easy. It's always going to hurt a little bit. But that's what true love is. And through that suffering and through that pain, something beautiful comes out of that, right? Remember, when a seed dies, it bears much fruit. And it's important to know, I'm not just talking about uh, romantic love, right? Between a husband and a wife or between a, a boyfriend and a girlfriend. We... We know that this is true of that as well, right? There's nothing more difficult than being married to someone and having to lay down your life over and over and over and over again. That's why Paul says, it might be better to be single for a little bit. 
They're both hard. But, but this is love in general, not just romantic love. This is, I mean, we're also commanded to what? What's the first and greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And even in that, that tells you what? That love is not just a feeling. It is a feeling. But it's not just a feeling. Otherwise, you can't love with your strength. And so, what does it look like to love God that way? Like the way that Jesus loved us by laying down our life. Here's, here's one example uh, from the Bible. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Right? That's, that's how you love God. To the full, completely, to the end. You lay down your life as a sacrifice to him. You give yourself to him, right? There's suffering in that. But beauty comes out of that suffering, right? It's the same, this passage, I keep using it over and over because it's very close. But how do you love your neighbor as yourself? Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend or his neighbor. Right? How do you love your neighbor? You give yourself. You lay down your life. There's suffering in it. It's hard. Uh, but, but beauty comes from that. Fruit comes from that. And, and because this kind of true love, this full, complete love, has a level of suffering, that's why John, later on, he writes, we have three short letters that John wrote. In one of his letters, he says this. This is not just to the children. This is to the whole. He's calling all of you children, including me. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And he says that. He feels the need to say that because really loving somebody. John calls the life in this world tribulation because the world has rejected its creator and what he's pointing out in this passage here is that Jesus loved his people in those trials and difficulties of this world in the tribulations of this world Jesus loved his people he loved them fully he loved them to the end by laying down his life and and I recognize for some people they think, okay, I don't get that. How, how did Jesus dying help me in my trials and difficulties now? Like, what does that have? I'd rather him just be here with me. So how does Jesus' death help us? So there's about a hundred different ways I could show you this, but I'm going to show you three. Um, the first one comes from a passage I already shared with us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the rebellious world, the sinful world. Uh, we're reminded that w- when Jesus loved his people and, and he loved them to the end and he died, he did that to remove the sin of the world. So that, that all who look to him in faith and all who trust in him by faith can have their sins 
removed and cleansed. And then you can be shaped and molded to become more like him in the world. And if there's any part of us that thinks, yeah, so big deal, that doesn't help me when I'm struggling. Um, We don't understand our sin. Um, And we don't understand how... (laughs) <laughs> how the sin contributes to our struggling. We don't understand how, how just that salvation, like this is the way Jesus loved us in the midst of the tribulations of this world. He removed our sin in the midst of a sinful world. We have to understand that. And, and there's other ways that he does it, but don't miss that fact. This is how he loves you. In the midst of your trials and your difficulties, he removes your sin. Jesus also is going to talk about the tribulation of this world, right? He said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus says, when you're in the world, this world that's rejected God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Right? There's going to be tribulation in this world. But no, you can have peace in this world. Even in the midst of all of that. You can have peace in the midst of any of the trials and difficulties because you can know, I have overcome the world. And how did Jesus overcome the world? By lovingly laying down his life for us. And he says, because I laid down my life for you, I've overcome the world. And because I've overcome the world, guess what? By faith in me, once you're united to me, you, can overcome, you will overcome in this world as well. Not in your own strength, but through me. And that's how you can have peace, no matter what comes your way in the midst of this world. That's how he loves us in our trials and difficulties. One more in Romans. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? We're told, when we look to Jesus, and we're reminded that he loved us so much that he gave everything for us. He didn't even withhold his own life. He laid down his life for us. We're told, when we see that, how can we ever doubt that he, won't, that he would withhold anything from us? He was willing to lay down his life. He will give us everything we need in this life. No matter what comes our way, he will give it to us. It may not be what we want. It may not be what we expect. But he will give you what you need. And you have that confidence. Why? Because he's already given you everything. He laid down his life. He loved you to the full, and he loved you to the end. Not only of his life, but he will keep loving you to the end of your life. And he will give you everything you need for, till every last breath you have to endure whatever comes your way. That's how he loved you through his death. And, and not only, and I want to make sure we end on this note, not only... Do we have this comfort and hope that he will give us everything we need to endure trials and difficulties? But we're also told he will give us everything we need to love our God 
and to lay our lives down as we follow him and to love our neighbor as well. Um, I don't know if you remember from uh, a few weeks ago, I don't remember how many weeks ago it was, two or three weeks ago, our sermon was, you know, he who saves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life will save it. And I said, we were not created to save our lives, we were created to lay down our lives. That's what we were designed to do. That's how we were created to live. You could also just, if we understood love rightly, you could say you were created to love with your life. And that means laying it down, to love your God and to love your neighbor. This is how we were created to live and love in the world. And and it begins, and don't miss this, it begins by loving God first. You love your God, you lay down your life for him as a living sacrifice of praise by faith. And then after you lay down your life to follow him by faith, you go out and then you keep laying down your life for your neighbor and your wife and your husband and your kids and you love them fully um, and you love them to the end. Let's come to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence just thankful for your word. And even more importantly, thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the life that he lived, but this morning in particular, we're thankful for the death that he died and for the way he loved us. And Father, we come to you and we confess that we don't love that way. We don't love you that way. We don't love our neighbor that way. We often try to make love all about us, even our love for you. And so, Father, we pray that that you'd forgive us for that. Uh, Forgive us for taking love and distorting it, turning it into something that it's not. Uh, Forgive us for misunderstanding it. And cleanse us, Father, and renew us. Restore us. Help us to to leave from here this morning more fully understanding what love is, but not just understanding it. Father, give us what we need to actually go out and love the way you've called us to love. Help us to lay down our lives as we love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to lay down our lives as we love our neighbor as ourselves. And may you receive the glory and the praise and the honor as a result. May we see the beauty of living these lives that you've created us to live in this way. And may your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.